Well, welcome. This is our finale of our series called The New Normal. Uh, this is actually week number seven, and in this series, uh, we've actually kind of had a mini-series in the series, uh, which began May the 31st as we started talking about uh, some of the racial tension and prejudice uh, in, in our nation and, and what's going on in terms of current events. And, and so I wanted to finish this series today. Last week we talked about peacekeepers uh, and we actually had some law enforcement members of the Valley family that we interviewed. Uh, today I want to talk about peacemakers. Look at peacemakers because it's not up to the government. It's not up to law enforcement to make peace. It's up to the children of God to make peace. And so uh, that's what we're going to be looking at today. Before we do, I just want to give a big shout out to all of our microsites, 20 plus microsites meeting all different, I think four different counties around here. Uh, our Valley family that, that several, you know, over a hundred or more have been experiencing a greater Valley Christian church experience through our microsites, and we just heard so much great feedback uh, from all those, and we just want to thank all those leaders that have opened up their homes to welcome people in. Many people that have found us, actually, during the quarantine, stay-home orders, uh, that have never actually stepped foot into a Valley Christian Church live service before, but they're enjoying that greater experience in microsites as well, and if you're interested in that, uh, we still have some openings, so check that out. Our capacity somewhat limited, uh, but real excited about that. And over the next week or so, you're, you're going to hear more details about when we will begin live services. That will be in July at some point. You'll be hearing more details uh, about that uh, in the near future. But I want to go ahead and invite you to open up your Valley Christian Church app and uh, follow along because some great notes, I think, just real practical that we're going to be looking at today. And I'm real excited. I do want to make mention next week we're going to be starting a brand new series called The Blessed Life. And uh, w one of the verses that we're looking at today actually is from a set of statements that Jesus made called the Beatitudes, uh, commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. We're going to be looking at just one of those briefly kind of today, at this idea about being a peacemaker. But we're going to be diving deep into it over the next few weeks as we look at what does it mean to live the blessed life, the life that God created you and I to live. I, I think many of us may be surprised at, at what Jesus said a blessed life really looks like, and that's what we're going to be diving deep into starting next week. So I want to invite you to join us uh, next week as we kick off the Blessed Life series. But today for this uh, finale of the new normal, you know, we talked about back on May 31st, we talked about the third option, that uh, it's really a worldly system, worldly mindset, carnal mindset that's anti-God, it's against Christ, uh, that, that always does this us versus them, always wants to divide people based on all kinds of things. I mean, you can name it, uh, you know, left-handed people versus right-handed people, whatever it is, it can be totally like insignificant or it can be really what would be seen maybe as a major distinction. Uh, but Jesus came to unite us, and, and we need to really protect that unity that God has given to us through sending his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that, that us versus them mindset it is really uh, detrimental and destructive to what God wants to do on the planet. And so if you hadn't heard beginning with that message in this series called Leave It Behind. I encourage you to go back, listen to that, and, and all those since then, as we've been talking about, as I said, racism and prejudice. But in your Valley app, you'll find there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, 
Jesus makes this statement where he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So right there we understand a couple things real quick here as we're going to be talking about what it means to be a peacemaker. This is what Jesus expects of you and me, that, that we're to be peacemakers, that, that it's not an optional thing for those who are a follower of Christ. It's our duty and our responsibility to bring peace in the middle of chaos, to bring peace in the middle of conflict, to, to bring reconciliation and restoration between groups and even in personal relationships where there's strife and, and all kinds of other problems. So he says, you're blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers not the peacekeepers, that's what we looked at last week, but you and I, and what, they'll be called children of God. God is the ultimate peacemaker. That's why he sent Jesus Christ, to, to live a sinless life and to die a sacrificial death for you and for me in my place, pay for my personal sins and your personal sins and rise from the dead three days later. That's how much peace matters to God, so much so that he was willing to sacrifice his son, Jesus. God is the ultimate peacemaker to make peace between you and I, peace between him and, and, and I because of the sin that causes division in that relationship. My personal sins and your personal sins sever that relationship, and God made a way. He's the ultimate peacemaker. And it's interesting, this word blessed in the original language of the New Testament, which is a biblical Greek, spoke about 2,000 years ago. Whenever you read that word blessed like that, the, the word is happy. Happy are the peacemakers. Peacemakers will enjoy happiness, and watch this, and they'll be called children of God. So do you understand that God's the ultimate peacemaker? So what that means is this. Every time you and I bring peace in the middle of conflict, people in essence are saying, you know what, you look like your heavenly father. You're acting like your heavenly father. How, how great a Father's Day message is this? Blessed are the peacemakers because when we make peace, we reflect our heavenly father. When we bring peace in the middle of fractions and conflicted parties and friends and relationships, and races, They'll be called the children of God. Not by God, but by other people in the world. See, if the world could make peace, we would have peace. League of Nations, uh, failed. United Nations, a uh, lot of talk, a lot of conferences, a lot of articles and all this stuff. There's still, there is more strife, more war, more division on the planet right now than at any time in the world. It just, it never ends. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, you know what one of the qualities that's going to show someone is a follower of mine, that I'm their Savior and Lord? They're going to be a peacemaker. Really, really powerful. And, and biblical peacemakers are people who personally, first of all, are at peace with God's authority and willing to bring that presence of God and peace into their surroundings. And let me put it this way, you can't be a peacemaker until you have peace in your own heart. But because here's a real important thing, peacemaking starts in the heart before it flows through the hands. You can't really bring real peace into any situation until you first have come to peace with God in receiving his son Jesus. And so God's peace first permeates my heart 
before it flows out through my hands to help someone else. You, you can't give something away that you have never experienced. It's got to be yours first before you give it away. And so peacemaking starts in the heart before it flows through the hands. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Where does peace with God come from? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, his sinless life, sacrificial death, and resurrection from the dead. If, if there's one quality or characteristic, as Jesus really, in, in Matthew 5 here, makes these statements, and, and he says, this is what it's going to look like for anyone who's a true follower of mine. They're going to be peacemakers. But, but you can't be a peacemaker until you've had peace with God by receiving his son as your Savior and your Lord, recognizing that he died in your place. He died in my place. And, and I have peace with God, not through anything that I will ever do in this life, but through what Jesus already did. Through his life, through his death, and his resurrection. This is what we call the gospel. This is the good news. We have peace with God. And, and because we have peace with God and, and we open our heart and allow God's peace to come into our hearts, no matter what the circumstances or situation is, when we receive that peace in our heart, then it can begin to flow out through our hands towards others and we can be real peacemakers. God is the source of all peace because he is the ultimate peacemaker. Jesus was actually called the Prince of Peace. That's one of his titles, the Prince of Peace. And he calls his followers, you and I, to exhibit that same peace. So let me ask you this, this, this question right now. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, how's your peace lately? How's your peace? Because we're supposed to be peacemakers, not, not waiting on a government, not waiting on some new law to pass. That, none of that's going to bring peace. You can't legislate peace. How's your peace? Are you allowing the peace of God to fill your heart and overflow through your heart, through your hands, to those around you? In James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it tells us what, what this world is like, and this isn't going to change. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from, here it is, your desires that battle within you. See, peace has to start inside of me before I can be a peacemaker for someone else. It's, it's it warring inside of me, these desires. It's called sin. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. It, it starts in the inside. Peace is not out external. Peace is internal. It has to start in the heart before it flows through the hands. It goes on and says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Jealousy, envy, I want what they have, they want what I, all this. It all comes from the heart. It's a sin problem in the world. And that's why we need Jesus so, so much. So you crawl and fight. You do not have because what? You do not ask God. God is the answer. It's not electing someone else. It's not passing new legislation. All those things are putting Band-Aids on a gaping wound. It will not heal. It will not heal. God is the answer. Boy, if we ever needed this, we need to be peacemakers today. And so human nature always recoils from taking responsibility. But, but the Bible says here in James, 
We don't have because we, I have not asked God. If I don't have peace, it's because I haven't received God's peace in my life. It's my personal responsibility. Boy, I love the devotional we've even been in this week. My spirit, my responsibility. Our culture wants to blame, point fingers. It's everyone else's fault, but no one take personal responsibility. And that in and of itself is completely contradictive. It completely contradicts everything Jesus said and stood for. Everything. It contradicts the Bible. It contradicts the gospel. We have to take personal responsibility and receive personally the grace and forgiveness of God through what Jesus did through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And then we have peace in our hearts and we can extend peace to those around us. Conflict in human culture, it's, it's undeniable in the human condition. And to some degree, it exists in every church, every home, every workplace, every neighborhood. It doesn't always result in fights or quarrels, but, but often it does because we as human beings, we fight against taking any responsibility for our actions. That's what this is saying here in James chapter four. And, and so I, I wanna share with you now five ways to be a peacemaker, real practical Five ways that you and I can be peacemakers. And, and as I go through these, I just want to encourage you, and you, you'll see them in your Valley app. Look at the scriptures. You'll be able to save those. I, I want to encourage you just to ponder, which one of these five do you struggle with the most in being a peacemaker? Because this is who we're supposed to be as followers of Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called children of God. It's not because of a cross around our neck or a magnet on our bumper stick, on our bumper. It's because we're peacemakers and we bring peace in the middle of conflict and peace in the middle of strife. Here's the first thing, we need to pursue peace. The pursuit of peace, it's not passive, it's active. We need to pursue peace. Look at this, Jesus said in Matthew chapter five a little bit later, Matthew chapter five, verse 23, he said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and he's talking about like, talking to uh, Jewish people, they're looking at the temple, they're thinking about this. He goes, if you come to the temple and you're about to give an offering, and, and, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, and watch this, first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. And so he, literally Jesus is saying this, you know what? God doesn't care about your money if your heart stinks. God doesn't care. You, you, could, give, you could give the work of, of the church, you could give the work of Jesus in the world a million dollars if your heart stinks and you have all kinds of problems with someone else or you know there's someone else that's hating on you and you've done nothing, you've been passive about it, you're wasting your money. Go get it right. I, I mean, I, I, I love the Bible because it is brutally practical. Jesus' words, man, they just cut through all the foolishness. We think we'd get God's attention by giving a big offering. He's like, no, no. If you go and your brother and sister has something against you, leave it. First go and be reconciled to them. But watch, I think it's pretty interesting what Jesus says. Then come and offer your gift. He doesn't say forget about it. He's like, get your heart right and then give your gift. And that matters. That matters then. 
But, but if, if, if we know we have fractured relationships all around us and we think by putting something in the offering basket, God's going to be like, wow, I'm so proud of you, Greg. No, we're wasting our money. Go make it right and then give. And then God, I'm very proud of you. Really, really practical stuff. We need to pursue peace. This verse is all about taking personal responsibility. And do you notice, it's not even if you have something against, it's if you know someone who has something against you. Take personal responsibility for our words. Take personal responsibility for our actions when we've wronged someone. So many of us, we, we know that, you know, maybe you've wounded your, your roommate in college with words that you spoke, bad attitude that you had, or maybe a family member or a coworker spoke harshly to a friend. Maybe you gossiped about someone, talked behind their back, stabbed them in the back, betrayed them. Maybe you popped off at someone because you weren't having a good day and you didn't want anyone around you having a good day. We want to pretend like it didn't happen and Jesus says, it happened and you need to take responsibility for it. Scripture says, go and make it right. We have to pursue peace. Peace is not passive. Look what James chapter 3, verse 13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it. How do we show that we're wise and understanding? By the deeds that you do. Our actions speak louder. We've got to go and do. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. You know, it takes a tremendous amount of humility to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. But that's what wise people do. That's what peacemakers do. I'm sorry. I apologize. Do you forgive me? Now we're looking like our Heavenly Father because of the humility. Jesus, the humility that Jesus demonstrated, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he came as a peasant. Lowered himself, humbled himself. Now we're looking like him. Now we're reflecting his character. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God. See, so many times we don't apologize. We, we don't humble ourselves and apologize because, listen, we'd rather look good than actually be good. We're, we're, we're more concerned about our reputation in some sort of profile image that we want to maintain than really the content of our character. So instead of taking risk, we're more worried about looking good than actually that our heart is good. That's why we need to humble ourselves and take responsibility, just as the scripture says. And, and you know what? When I, I, think, I think I have like a graduate degree in saying I'm sorry, because I just blow it all the time. I really do. But I, I found this, that when you blow it and you take responsibility for what you've done, it diffuses the conflict. It, it diffuses that negative emotion that's being felt in the room by others. So I encourage you, say it to your family. Say it to your roommate that you were grouchy with. Say it to your coworker that you let him down because 
you didn't follow through with the part of the project assigned to you. Say it to your friend if you left them waiting. Say it, let it, let it roll off of your tongue. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Forgive me. Well, one way that we can become agents of change in this world is by taking responsibility for our own mistakes, for what we contributed to the conflict. Pursue peace. Take responsibility. Whatever your responsibility is, take it. Here's the second way that we can become peacemakers is empathize with the feeling of others. Not, not sympathize, empathize with the feeling of others. That's really what God's calling us to do, I think, right now in this current events that we, that we see unfolding all around us with, with all kinds of racial tension in our nation today. That, that we're to be empathetic towards our, our black brothers and sisters that are, that are suffering right now. We talked about this. That are in pain right now during this time. Philippians chapter two, verse four actually tells us to do just that. It says, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That's our mindset. It's not me. It's we. It's those around me being empathetic, feeling what they feel. Paul's not saying here that your interests or my interests are irrelevant or unimportant. What he is saying is those around us, their interests are equally as important than my personal interests. They're on the same plane, the same level. And so we need to be empathetic. We need to have equal concern for the feelings and the needs of others, not just ourselves, not just my own family. I, I love what Stephen Covey, who, who authored the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, put it this way, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Man, that, that right there is just gold. There's a quote for you. Seek first to understand the other person, and then to be understood. What are they going through? Empathize with the feelings of others. And that's why I think it's so important you know, that, we, that we stand with, like I said, our, our, our black brothers and sisters in our community, even in our church family, and say, we hear you, we're with you. You're not alone. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna continue to, to work to see real substantive change come about in this community, in this state, in this nation, in this world. And, and, and we're, not, we're not looking for someone else to do it. We're supposed to be the peacemakers. The answer is Jesus and his followers. That's the answer. He's the answer. Empathize with the feelings of others. Here's the third thing. Attack the problem, not the person. So critically important that we attack the problem and not the person. Proverbs chapter 15, verse one, it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's so important that we don't make it personal when there's conflict, when, and there's gonna be some disagreement. You know, that, that comes up from time to time. Nothing you can do about that. We all have different perspectives and opinions. But when it comes to interpersonal relationships, uh, do the words we speak put a wet blanket on the fire, or is it like pouring gasoline on the fire? Peacemakers pour a wet blanket, put a wet blanket on it. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. There's, there's going to be anger sometimes. There's going to be wrath sometimes. 
Are we bringing peace into that situation? Because we all have emotions. Are we bringing peace in that situation or are we pouring gasoline on the fire? And, and just real practically when it comes to this whole idea of attacking the problem and not the person, let me give you a couple of real, real practical tips here. Uh, don't compare someone to someone else. Man, that's just, parents, don't compare your children to one another. Don't, don't, don't compare, well, my other friend did. That. Don't, don't do that. Worse yet, uh, you know, you remind me so much of your mother, or you remind me so much of your father. Don't, don't, don't do that comparison. That's just gasoline on the fire. Those are fighting words. Those are words that tear down, uh, that, that don't build up. They don't bring peace into the situation. Don't get into name-calling. You know, you're such a fill-in-the-blank, whatever that is. Don't do that. Again, that's gasoline on the fire instead of a wet blanket of peace. Don't interrupt. It's really important to learn how to listen, especially in the middle of conflict. This is in marriage. This is in family. This is in friendship. This is with coworkers. Listen with your mouth closed, not waiting till the person breathes so that you can get your word in to make your point. Listen to what they're saying. And, and, and let me say this real practically also. Don't be a lane changer. <laughs> keep, keep it focused on what the disagreement is about and don't let it stray off into all these other areas. One thing Susie and I, we're coming up on you know, 30 years of marriage uh, we just have tried to eliminate when we do have, uh, we don't argue, we call it passionately disagreeing. <laughs> uh, it's argument. And, and uh, we, we, when we do that, what we say is we, we, we try to eliminate you always statements or you never. Because in 30 years of marriage, you know, that one time I actually did do it right. <laughs> so, so that you always, that, that is like a, uh, Blanket statement. You never. We just try to, that, that's bringing all the 30 years. What's, what's this situation right here in front of us? Don't, don't change lanes. I'm a lane changer, and Susie has to kind of like bring me back to the topic a lot of times when we're passionately disagreeing, not arguing at all. <laughs> so really, really important uh, not, to, not to switch lanes. Remember, it's not about winning. It's not about making a point. It's about making a difference. Attacking the problem, not the person maintains the peace. Here's the fourth, fourth idea, how to be a peacemaker. Cooperate as much as possible. Cooperate with one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, exhaust every measure, live at peace with everyone as best you can, if at all possible, live at peace with them. Implied in this passage is the reality that you won't always be able to resolve conflicts with other people. I, I mean, I have the people in my life that I have actually pursued, that the relationship has been fractured, I've gone after it, and they're like, I don't want to talk to you, I'm not going to talk to you, and just cut me off. I'm like, come on, let's talk. No, I'm not. And, and I feel like, you know, I had to pursue, 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 but then when stone cold, you know, just turned his shoulder, there's nothing more I can do at that point. If someone doesn't want to talk, there's nothing you can do. If someone cuts you off, there's nothing you can do. But, but we have to pursue first. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, and I have to ask myself, God, did I do everything? Have I gone the extra mile? Have I done everything? 
as far as it depends on me to mend this relationship, live at peace with everyone. And so it's implied in that passage that the reality is you won't always be able to resolve every conflict. But if you know you've extended all the grace and you've pursued the reconciliation of that relationship, then you can actually experience peace in your heart. Some people just thrive on arguments. Some people are just quarrelsome. Some people refuse to settle for a solution that, that everyone's going to be happy with. They just want, it's just me being happy and, and not concerned about other people. And, and so they have to win. It's always about winning the argument. It's not so much about maintaining the peace in the relationship. And so it's really important if it is possible. If it is possible. In, in other words, what the scripture is saying here is this. I'll just personalize it for myself. Greg, you don't be the problem. As a follower of Jesus, you can't be the cause of the problem. You can't be the reason the relationship has been strained and even fractured. You can't do that. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, you pursue peace. And when you know you've done that, then I can stand before God and like, God, I did everything that I could. Really, really important because we're supposed to be peacemakers, not relationship breakers. And so cooperate as much as possible. And here's the fifth, the final way that we can be a peacemaker. Emphasize reconciliation, not retaliation. Emphasize reconciliation, not retaliation. To reconcile means to make an effort to repair and reestablish a broken relationship. That's what reconciliation means. To make an effort to repair and reestablish a broken relationship. Retaliation means to get even or to get back at someone else. That's not, that's not options. Those are not options for us. It's not for you and for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. We can't resolve all things. Uh, you know, we need to pursue reconciliation, resolution. Sometimes you have to just agree to disagree. Sometimes, you know, it's just there's not going to be that place there where common ground is found. And it's not realistic to think that you can resolve every single issue that you ever have. But let me say this. I think it's so important. Because of Christ, we can walk arm in arm even without seeing eye to eye. Our culture says, if you don't agree with everything I believe, you hate me. That's not true. That's, that's a divisive us versus them, worldly, anti-Christ mindset. It, it's, it's in rebellion to everything God stands for, everything Jesus came to live and die for and rise from the dead. Because of Christ, we can walk in arm in arm without seeing eye to eye. Listen, you see this all the time in, in, Christian, in the Christian church. There's all kinds of different views and perspectives and spectrum of theological beliefs. But, but almost everyone in all of Christianity, whether it's Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Protestant, agree on like the essentials, the, the Apostles' Creed. And I know a lot of pastors and priests and even bishops that, that if we sat down and we talked about different pieces of different specifics of theology, we would disagree. But I don't hate them. 
we would never be able to come to the same perspective on a certain biblical doctrine. Apostles' Creed, absolutely. Predestination, I'm not so sure. View of Revelation, I'm not so sure. But because of Christ, we can walk arm in arm even without seeing eye to eye. This, This is the peace that Jesus gives, that passes all understanding. That we don't have to be completely in agreement on every single opinion and perspective. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than all. That's why we can be peacemakers because we're not trying to win everyone over to see everything the way that I do. We want them to see Jesus. And he can bring peace, even though we don't see eye to eye. We can walk arm in arm. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, let me end with this. I I think when it comes to uh, Christians, and and, and maybe you're joining us on our online campus today. Maybe someone shared this with you. And, you know, you're saying, well, I'm just trying this out. I, I, I don't know that I would identify myself as a Christian. I just want to see what this is about. Evidently, it's important to my friend. They shared it, you know, on their social media. First of all, welcome. I'm glad you did. We're we're glad that you joined us. Just kick the tires, see what it's all about. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So so just just trying a little sample here. Thank you. I'm glad you came. You're always welcome here at Valley to be a part, to join us, and to learn more about the Christian faith. But I want, I want to talk to those that would say right now, yeah, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you even joining us from some point of the country or, or even the world. There's two kinds of people when it comes to Christians. And I would ask this question, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Watch this. A thermometer adjusts to the climate of the room. Could I put it this way? A thermometer adjusts to the climate of the culture. The culture determines a thermometer type of Christian. A thermostat sets the climate of the room. Which one are you? Are, uh, are you more influenced by the culture around or by Jesus Christ? The one who came to live for you, to die for you, and rise from the dead for you. Which one influences you more? Is it culture? Or do you set the atmosphere because of him in your life? And when you step into that boardroom, when you step into that cubicle, when you step into that classroom, when you step into the grocery store, when when you step in, peace comes. Because you've received the Prince of Peace as your Savior and Lord. And you bring peace into the middle of conflict, into the middle of animosity, into the middle of chaos and confusion. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers are those that 
bring the essence of Jesus into every space that we occupy. Peacemakers are those that are thermostats that set the climate in the room around them. You see, God loves peace. That's why Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. And he sends you and me into this world of broken, fractured families, relationships, cultures and communities. And he says, wait a minute, my people are there, right in the middle of that. And what I know is this, they are there to bring peace. My peace. They're blessed and it makes us happy inside. Blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called the children of God. Now, now pretty cool, I wanna point out something in your notes, if you've been following along on your Valley app, you'll see those five points actually spell out the first letter. It's an acronym for peace. Peace, how to, make, how to be a peacemaker. First, we gotta pursue peace, taking responsibility for our part. Then we need to empathize with those around us that are hurt and in pain. Then we need to attack the problem and not the person. Then we need to cooperate with others as much as it's possible to cooperate with others. And finally, we need to emphasize reconciliation and restoration and not retaliation. Which one of these is the hardest for you? I've got great news. If you're struggling with one of these or, or maybe all of these points of being a peacemaker, you can get better through the power of Jesus, his Holy Spirit in your life, because that's what he wants to do. So I'm gonna ask right now, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that you'll pour out your spirit right now on our nation. Lord, heal our land. Lord, we pray that you would send a, a blanket of peace over America right now through your people, your children, that we would be peacemakers. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would quench every fiery dart of the wicked one, that you'd break the ranks of those working against unity, that are working against peace, that are working towards destruction and disunity in our communities. And Father, I pray that you would give our leaders supernatural solutions. And Lord, even more than that, Lord, give your people, give us courage to be true peacemakers. Lord, in our families, in our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our country, and in our world. That those that don't even know yet, your son Jesus Christ would say, you must be a Christian because they see us making peace and being peacemakers in a divided culture and community. Lord, only you can do this. Lord, may it start in our hearts first. 
And then may it flow out through our hands. And hear our prayer, Lord, today. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If, if you're joining us today, maybe at a microsite or online campus, or watching it later on, and, and you've never opened your heart up, first and foremost, to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's when peace really starts. And so right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I don't want to lead you in a prayer that you can pray with your heart open to Jesus who lived for you, who died for you in your place to pay the price for your personal sins on the cross and rose again three days later. If you'd like to receive the Prince of Peace, Jesus, today as your Lord and Savior, I just invite you to repeat this prayer after me and start that relationship today. Just repeat after me saying, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I ask you to lead me today. Guide me. Direct me. By your Holy Spirit. And I will follow you. Fill my heart with your peace today and let me become a peacemaker. In Jesus' name, amen.